You're listening to a Mint podcast brought to you by HD Smartcast. An economist once did a research and found out that the average person can save lots of money by giving up on having coffee. But when an interviewer asked the same economist if he would give up having coffee at cafes, he replied, "Never." The reason, as he pointed out, was that the quality of conversation he has had with people over a cup of coffee was something no amount of money could replace. Many people create Excel sheet and various financial models to plan out their finances. but in the process they forget that life is not about excel sheet so in this episode i invite vishal dhawan founder of plan ahead wealth to talk about life financial planning and not just the plain vanilla financial planning this episode has a lots of real life examples so listen till the end Welcome to Why Not Mint Money, a personal finance podcast where we help you understand basic money concepts and share strategies for you to build your wealth. So let's get started with your money journey. Hi Vishal, thanks for coming to the show and you know today we are going to discuss about uh, life planning as compared to financial planning. So you know uh, for our listeners a basic definition of this would be you know uh, we plan our uh, finances using excel model we do a lot of calculation but somewhere in the process we tend to forget about uh, uh, thinking about life from a very uh, how to say from a very real point of view so let's move from excel sheet and you know valuation model to what actually happens in life and let's try to combine them and uh, let's try to discover what comes out of it uh, but since this is a very uh, new uh, subject to everyone uh, vishal could you just you know explain through an example what is the difference between a life planning and a and just the plain vanilla financial planning thanks for having me on the show so it's a pleasure being here So let me uh, you know try to uncomplicate what is actually very often made very complicated which is financial planning uh, with an with an example of you know how life planning can make a big difference uh, so I'm going to go back a few years uh, when I had a lot more hair on my head to talk about uh, you know a doctor family who came to us and uh, the entire reason why they came to us at that particular point was because Uh, the doctor was evaluating uh, expanding his hospital setup because he had gone through a few years of his professional career he was doing very well uh, clearly you know wanted to think about the next phase of his life and as a part of that needed to expand uh, his professional boundaries and his professional career uh, so what uh, he did come to us for was essentially saying you know what i'm planning to expand my hospital I need more beds in my hospital. Um, there's an you know model that has come to us. Can you evaluate it to see whether it suits our particular purpose and whether we can afford uh, to go through this expansion without too much stress? Uh, so there was a project report put together by an expert in that area. We looked at it. We looked at the feasibility. We looked at all of that, and uh, you know clearly it seemed like it was possible when you looked at the numbers. Uh, 
And, you know, in our normal sort of financial planning process where we focus on income, on expenses, on financial goals, on assets, on liabilities, I think we would have, you know, very well gone ahead and just said, let's go ahead and, uh, you know, expand your hospital. I think it will do your career related, uh, a world of good. And because of that, it will also do your finances a world of good ultimately. Uh, but we actually stepped back and said, you know what, is this really only about the hospital project or are there a lot more things in this that we need to think about? And one of the uh, things that, you know, we have been doing as life planners is always looking at how decisions that families may be making in one sphere or one part of their life is actually impacting other things that are important for them. Uh, so as a family, we were aware that there were two things that were very, very important to this particular family. One was the time that they cherished together, uh, because obviously, you know, as a doctor, one is a very, very busy professional and uh, it can take many, many hours of the day and night to just stay on top of, you know, what your patients need all the time. And the second is that they were very, very uh, keen that they continue to travel the world. Uh, which was a very, very important part of what they did. And they pretty much always had all the vacations planned about a year in advance. And they did at least, uh, you know, three of them together as a family. So as we looked at this project from a numerical perspective and then from a life perspective, we sort of started to ask the family a few questions saying that, uh, you know what, the numbers look good. But I think if you have to get those numbers to work, it'll probably mean that um, you will end up in a situation where the holidays that you cherish so much as a family uh, may not be possible because the pressure of ensuring occupancies of beds, ensuring that the hospital standards are met, etc. is going to be very significant. And uh, obviously, because it's a 24 by 7 operation, it'll mean that you know you will end up having to be always connected. So one of the solutions that we thought might work for them was we proposed that, are you okay with having a doctor as a partner? Uh, they uh, sort of thought about it and the wife sort of indicated that, I don't think that's necessarily a path because we may not be comfortable with the partnership at all. And therefore, um, you know, that may not be a solution for us. And we said, okay, so if that's going to be the case, then, uh, you know, are you all as a family willing to look at trading off those holidays? It may take five, seven, eight years. Things will stabilize. You know, I'm sure uh, the hospital will sort of grow. It will build its own capacity. There will be second line, third line sort of people who will be able to handle it. But I think for the first five to eight years, especially when there's a lot of pressure on the financial side, there might be some trade-offs that will be involved. Um, so they sort of said that, you know, let's reflect on this and come back to us. And, uh, uh, you know, they came back in a couple of days and said that, you know what, we shall be discussed it together as a family. And what we've concluded is that while from a professional perspective, this may be great for our careers, uh, we think we're doing okay. Anyway, our financial goals are on track. Uh, we're going to be able to achieve what we want to achieve uh, within the time frame we want to achieve, uh, without this hospital as well. And the trade-offs on family time and family vacations, as well as alternatively looking at a partnership model, is something that we're not willing to be able to do at this particular point. So maybe for now, we will drop this, even though you know financially it may be feasible, 
it just doesn't fit in with our life aspirations at this particular point especially because our children will one day go away to college and at that point we will probably regret the fact that while we were building this hospital out better uh, we didn't spend that vacation time with them which we would have loved to so i think that's a um, you know an example of where a life planning approach can actually lead to maybe different outcomes from what you would have had if you just had a pure financial excel model based approach that you had used and this is so true visal because uh, i see in a lot of books and interviews that fund managers give and uh, there is a lot of focus on you know how much rate of uh, growth you will be able to achieve the um, uh, the kind of money one crore uh, one lakh will become in 10 years things like that but very few people talk about you know incorporating this numbers with our actual life how, how like this these things has to go hand in hand right but uh, lots of people and um, including all of us you know tend to uh, give very less importance to uh, the life aspect when uh, planning our finances so i think the world also uh, makes it evident uh, financial life financial planning but uh, vishal i was just wondering okay so you have given a very good example of what it is like to give a uh, life financial advice but how would a plain uh, you know excel kind of a financial planning work and how can things go wrong if you just plan your uh, investment wealth planning do all this through a excel model so you know i'm i'm going to give you a very interesting anecdote which i read about i remember an interview in a magazine i don't remember you know the the economist on the other side so there was an interview who was talking to uh, to this economist and saying you know what um one cup of coffee costs a dollar and um, you know do you want to tell the young people who are reading this article that if they avoid that one dollar coffee a day and they look at the value of that after 30 years it'll be like you know many hundreds and thousands of dollars and he said uh, you know maybe as an economist i might think about it but as a person i certainly won't because i've had some of the best conversations with um, with women and men uh, during this period of my life and therefore you know i would never compromise the 1 dollar of coffee uh, in in the trade off for these you know wonderful conversations that i had uh, but let me just sort of uh, you know come back to your question more specifically so i think uh, what does tend to happen is uh one of the things that we've seen over the years is there are very few uncontrollable um or controllable variables um in a in a format where financial planning happens and let me give you some examples so a lot of people talk about rate of return um like you said you know fund managers talk about it uh, financial advisors talk about it in our experience it is the most uncontrollable variable in anyone's hands it just requires for example oil prices to double from where they are today or indian equity markets look very different from what they look like today and obviously we'll all have a reason to be able to explain why oil prices have come down uh, it could be geopolitics it could be anything right but at the end of the day uh, if your financial plan was going to be built around the expectation of a certain rate of return 
I think there's a high chance that you could end up getting disappointed because of some uncontrollable variable. I think what tends to happen if you can uh, work beyond Excel is that you start to ask yourself saying, what truly matters to me? What is it that I really want to achieve in my life to be calling it successful? And you know, at different phases in your life and at different stages in your life, this definition of success itself can change. Uh, I think when you're young, uh, you know, maybe uh, having a social conversation about how your portfolio is doing an XYZ rate of return can be very cool because, you know, you could be showing off to your friends that I'm doing better than than what you are. Uh, but at the end of the day, we know life is, you know, pretty much a hair and tortoise race, right? At some point, someone is ahead. At some point, someone is behind. But at the end of the day, it's all about, you know, where you wanted to reach and when you wanted to reach there and how you wanted to reach there, which is important. Not about whether you were the hair or the tortoise. And uh, that's where we think that a pure Excel-based financial planning model can sometimes create challenges because you could end up finding that you wanted to retire at 40 and then, you know, actually end up retiring at 37, but not knowing what to do with the next uh, 50 years of your life. Because if you're going to live till 87 or 90, you now need to figure out how to fill your calendar for the next 50 years. And unfortunately, that's really hard to do when you're 37. Because unfortunately, what will happen is most times when you try to fill your calendar, there are money spends associated with that. So, you know, you say, oh, you know what, I want to travel the world. That means it's going to call you money. It's going to cost you money. And then you're like, oh, but I don't have enough to travel the world. So maybe I need to go back to work again. Or you might say that, um, you know, I want to spend time um, reading books. And it's fantastic to think about it. But if you haven't read any books between 17 and 37, it's hard to start reading at 37 the day you've retired and said, you know what, now I'm going to spend my time with books. So I think uh, what is needed is a good blend. I think numbers are important. I think Excel is important. I think modeling is important. But I think it's also important to put the person and the family around that person uh, and the social infrastructure and the social environment around that person to really create a very solid combination of what's important to uh, to that individual and that family. Vishal, on that point, uh, does some of your client, you know, uh, you know, have this sort of a uh, thing saying, hey, I want to retire by 40 or 50. And and do they know what they're going to do after they retire, let's say at 50 or even 55? So uh, at the age of 55, people are, you know, well capable of working and they have a uh, roughly 20, 25 years more to live. So how do they normally think about their retirement period yeah so i think it's a struggle for most people i think um, you know retirement is one of those grass is greener on the other side kind of stories where people who are retired always feel like i wish i could continue working and people who are working wish that they were retired uh, i think there are a couple of things that do come up uh, one is you know you have to figure out a way that both you and your spouse are going to be comfortable with retirement because one of the things that happens is while uh, you know especially in families where only one partner is working the other partner who's not working has typically built out an ecosystem independently to keep herself busy for example and what ends up happening is once uh, the husband retires it's very difficult because that entire uh, 
parallel ecosystem now needs to get changed because the husband's now at home uh, expecting more time with the spouse and the spouse is busy with other things that are important for her so i think it's it's crucial that these conversations happen nicely uh, it's crucial that these are uh, glided into so i i always keep telling everyone who's going to retire out 10 15 years is that we need to start thinking about filling your calendar from now after retirement uh, at the start we'll probably be able to fill in you know small pockets of it uh, you know you can read a newspaper you can listen to some music you can uh, watch a movie uh, you can play a sport you can do all of this for maybe an hour a day two hours a day three hours a day but you know when you have to fill it into a calendar for uh, 15 hours i think it gets really hard and therefore these conversations very often need to be guided conversations they need to be uh, thought through conversations they can't happen in a hurry and these will also evolve over a period of time as you know uh, more conversations happen around them so i think having them in a structured manner having them in a comfortable environment having them without the pressure of knowing that this event is happening to me tomorrow morning or has happened to me yesterday are all very important parts of this conversation that's fascinating yeah and vishal so you mentioned about this coffee dilemma right where you can save money by not having coffee but you know going to a uh, cafe and having coffee and having a good conversation is something which we cannot you know put it in a excel model and factor in so these are all very qualitative uh, intangible sort of a thing and and these are all important uh, i think very important aspects of life uh, we earn money we do our work so that we feel good right so feeling is after all everything and i mean we live for it so uh, in interestingly in our last podcast uh, and also the previous article we did an uh, a story about this expense tracking app so you know you enter your mobile number you give access to your sms email and you know the app will categorize all your spending into um, various category how much you spend for travel food and so i was also wondering myself you know i could install some of these apps and just figure out where i'm spending where i can cut my expenses and all but very soon i figured out oh i don't want to think so much about money that doesn't make me feel good so what i instead ended up doing uh, like i always used to do is whenever i earn my you know uh, get my salary i would just take 30 40% of it put it in a you know stable mutual fund etf and just and just enjoy with the rest of the money you know not thinking about how i will overshoot my expense by buying a cup of coffee or having a you know good drinks with somebody so these are all small thing but which makes you feel good and if you just rely so much about excel then uh, it just becomes very uh, unreal after a point of time so that was my experience uh, but vishal before we talk about how you know professionals like uh, you uh, the cfps the registered investment advisors uh, advise client on how to go about these things i quickly wanted to understand how we uh, the normal uh, people the tom dick and harry can you know incorporate some of the life planning themselves so uh, how do we do a diy kind of a thing for life financial plan So I think uh, you know the key to this is always about finding balance in our view. I think you know with the example that you gave, I think 
you know, our feelings can take us to extremes. Uh, they can take us to saying, you know, money doesn't matter and it's just a concept and a number. Uh, and therefore, you know, allow our feelings and our heart to dictate everything. And on the other side, you could have a situation where you could let the numbers and the Excel sort of just drive everything. And I think, uh, you know, the key is always balance. Just like, you know, health is sort of well maintained through balance. I think it's the same with money. And uh, I think when we're spending as well, we need to be able to do that without getting Because otherwise what happens is uh, very often you don't really enjoy spending money because you feel so bad about it. Um, it's almost like a spending hangover that you get uh, the next day or the next hour after you've spent money uh, that, uh, you know, you're sort of um, very, very pained by it. I think the way to uh, to think about it as a do-it-yourselfer is saying that, you know, there are multiple aspects in most people's lives. Right? There is um, their own sort of me and myself and what's important to me. There is my family, there is my health, uh, there is my uh, professional career, there is my, um, uh, you know, learning, there is my uh, social life, uh, there is my physical space, which may be a house, for example. And uh, each of these elements may be uh, important to me in certain uh, manners. And I'm just going to use the house as an example because it's something that we find very often as financial planners. Uh, we end up getting. So, you know, when you've decided that you wanted to buy a house, for example, uh, and let's assume that, you know, you've made the decision between rent and buy already, right? And you've decided that you want to buy, which is not a bad idea. Um, I think you now get down to saying, you know, what do I want my house to be like? And then you you start to list it out and say, you know what, it should be facing the sea. If you're in Mumbai, it should be quiet. It should have a space where I can, uh, you know, have my own private uh, area. And, you know, my each of my family members should have their own room and all of that. And all of a sudden, you realize that you need a six-bedroom house, uh, which, um, uh, you know, and, and obviously you want to be close to your place of work if you work in office. And therefore, you're all of a sudden talking about multiple crores that you need for this house. And uh, if you make this the only aspect that you want to focus on, you could end up getting very disappointed because you could end up giving up your vacation time. You could have no money to, uh, you know, do courses that would make you better. Uh, you could end up finding that, you know, professionally, the pressure that that EMI of that large house could create could become significant. Um, you could end up finding that your wife who's taken a career break or a sabbatical now has to go back to work because... There's this fancy house that you wanted. Uh, and all of a sudden, you're not feeling so good about your house anymore. Because what has happened is in, in a year or two after buying it, all these pressures have come together and started to take over your life. So I think as a do-it-yourselfer, I think it's important to list out all your goals. It's important to list out prioritization. It's important to list out how you can understand trade-offs. Uh, and... Try to give this some time because what happens is what we've interestingly seen is that goals and aspirations can change uh, reasonably quickly. So if you list out your goals and say, you know what, I want to action them tomorrow, you might end up finding that you end up taking a wrong decision. But if you come back to those goals and look at it after a couple of weeks, uh, you've slept over it, you've thought about it, you've discussed it, you might find that those goals are not as important as you think they were or you thought they were. 
and therefore uh, my suggestion to all do it yourselfers is you know build that uh, ferris wheel of looking at every different aspect of your life first of all then prioritize it and then understand the interplay between all of them and then let it sit for a while before you go ahead and implement i know we live in a world where everyone wants to do everything yesterday but i think uh, you know uh, big financial decisions and uh, ensuring that your life aspirations and life goals are met can sometimes do with a bit of a pause that's a advice i think every listener will take away from this so just pause for a while and uh, gather your thought and just think for once more if this is worth it or not uh, so uh, vishal another point is many of our listeners might be rias or cfps right so um, if they want to incorporate this uh, life planning system how do they learn about it how do they you know uh, talk uh, talk to the client professionally and how do they get the educational qualification required to you know practice this form of uh, you know uh, giving financial advice so well, i think it's important that they coach themselves uh, because what happens is that uh, the conversations in some of these areas can make clients uncomfortable and can also make uh, you know planners uncomfortable and i think it's therefore important to um, to you know sort of look at this from that aspect i i want to use this time to give another example uh which is you know we had a client doing life planning with us and uh you know he was a retired uh, defense person and therefore you know you would think that he's very hardened because that was his professional career and therefore he's seen lots in his life uh, with everything that's happened uh, but there was a point in time where um, you know he uh, uh he got very emotional and uh, it took a long time for him to you know get it back under control and um, you know when when we were sort of speaking to him about it in some detail what we realized was that there was a a promise that he had made to his brother when uh, his brother was going to pass away that he would take care of his brother's children and as he went through the life planning process it suddenly came to the fore that that was an area where he hadn't paid enough attention and therefore you know what he said is uh you know with my monies i need a part of this money to be carved out for my uh nephew and my niece because that's something that was um you know life just sort of went by and i forgot this promise and therefore i need to address this quickly and uh, it was such an important thing for him when it came to the fore because you know when you think about this in reality there are so many things that we say uh, which we mean at that particular point and then sometimes they just you know life just takes it takes you over and you sort of go back into into your workplace and your family and everyone else and you just completely miss out you know what was important in there so i think for uh planners and rais who are listening into a conversation of this kind i think it's important to be able to handle your emotion uh it's important to be able to handle clients emotions there are um training programs that are specialized in this area which can actually help you uh, learn this i myself got a scholarship to one of these programs about a decade ago and i was greatly benefited because i went through this program for money portion 
we still use their tools uh, and they're all licensed tools uh, they sort of uh, have a license fee attached to them but we find great value there are books uh, you know which are there uh, george kinder uh, mitch antony uh, roy deliberto I mean, these are all names in the us that people would be able to relate to a lot of them were part of what was called a project nazareth which got set up in 1996 from where the evolution of life planning came out and very clearly one of the things that you know did come out uh, in roy deliberto's book which i think is my favorite on life planning was the fact that he just said that you know life planning is doing financial planning better because at the end of the day if you can connect what's important in your life with your financial goals then i think it's a perfect combination uh, rather than you know believing that both of these are independent of each other and what i want in my life is going to happen differently from what i want from my finances and uh, that's it so normally you know we would ask for a book recommendation for uh, from the guest but i think while uh, discussing this topic vishal indeed gave a book recommendation for all of us uh, by the way vishal do you want to give any other book recommendation apart from this yeah so the specific book of roy deliberto is called financial planning the next step and of course you know um, the other book that i think does sort of work very well for a lot of people uh, who are looking at you know life um, and finances together uh is obviously you know what morgan housel writes and i think you know um uh you know i think people who sort of follow morgan housel um you know obviously his most famous book is the psychology of money but uh you know i would urge people to look at his podcasts listen to them i think there's this great combination of um of finances and life which he's able to put together uh in a very easy format and i think there's lots of experience uh that comes through in that and i think the more you can be reflective about that book the more likely you can take some great decisions as far as your finances and your financial uh, life is concerned that is so nice so i am also a big fan of morgan housel and everyone listening this should check out his latest podcast and there he talks about you know how he decided to become a financial writer so there was nothing preplanned about it Uh, so this is very much related to the topic we are th- we are also talking about so life sometimes give surprises and people cannot plan for it so in his case also he never planned uh, to become a writer but somehow things have happened and yeah it worked out really well for him so do check out that podcast and also his blog uh, collaborative fun blog and he writes there every week he's a fantastic writer and so vishal with that thank you so much for coming to the why not mint money show and so uh, uh, vishal some of our readers might have some queries here and there uh, if they have a follow up question can they tag you on a linkedin or a twitter post and or just send you a message uh, if they have a follow up certainly happy to happy to engage with them You go by your uh, name in Twitter, it's a. It's at Vishthavan, V I S H. Uh, it's the shorter version of Vishal. Okay. So with that, uh, Vishal, thank you so much for coming, and hope to see you soon. Thank you very much. That brings us to the end of today's episode. If you would like to know more about this topic, 
then you can reach out to me on Twitter. I go by the username at the red session NJ or LinkedIn using my full name that is session Lingthao Kongjam. We would be happy to take your suggestions. That's all from our side. Thanks for tuning in. See you in the next episode. To stay updated on this podcast, follow us at HD Smartcast on all the major social media platforms. To listen to more such podcasts, log on to www.hdsmartcast.com. Smartcast.com.